0: Everybody. welcome
1: back music unapologetically with you, as always adam He's and travis
0: adam. oh i hit you with both names that you didn't even realize
2: you're so sweet
0: yeah 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 what's going on guys back again music unapologetically and we're here today to impart musical knowledge on the otherwise ignorant
2: many ignorance
0: which is not to say that Travis and I are all-knowing and not ignorant.
2: True. Today's going to today's be an a, a example of that.
0: Listen, today what I have planned is something that is near and dear to my heart, and that is the music of the 90s, but more specifically... The dirty. The dirty and grungy music of the 90s that I love so much, and we'll talk about the Seattle-based grunge and just overall alternative music.
2: Now, for me, this is a learning experience okay. because you and I both share a love for the 90s. We both share a love for alternative rock in the 90s, Right. but one thing that you have always that I noticed early in our friendship when we started actually talking about music is your passion for grunge Not only supersedes my passion, but your knowledge far supersedes. And so I'm actually excited to learn more about the grunge-specific scene of the 90s because it's it's just something that I've never dove as deep into. Not that I didn't like it, but your knowledge I'm impressed with, so I'm excited.
0: Well, I appreciate that. And I, and, I, and I say that to say this, like, don't, don't think we're just going to stick with that Seattle grunge scene and just keep it there in the Pacific Northwest. Like, I want to talk about all uh, alternative. So Before on, we do that, though. Okay, go for it.
2: Can we give some love and appreciation and also share our uh, condolences for Coolio?
0: Oh, man. Rest in peace. So sad. That's a hard one to read. That's like uh man, that's that's that that's eighth grade for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's way back there. Coolio
2: uh, was the Dennis Rodman of hip hop.
0: I mean, a lot of people associate Coolio with Gangsters Paradise, but don't realize that he also opened up the all that. Was it all that or Kenan, Kenan and, and Kel? Kel? Yeah. He was the he was the the intro song for Kenan and Kel. Which, if you're into, you know, the 90s sitcoms and, and, and stuff like that, then you definitely know who Kenan and Kel is. So, you probably knew that was Coolio.
2: Just so, a, I mean, I would, you know, unfortunately wasn't a, a massive, you know, he didn't pump out hits. No, he wasn't
0: he was a just Snoop Dogg he's, or a Ice Cube or whatever. He but had a
2: unique style. He was real smooth with it. He you had know, a real
0: unique look with his hair.
2: And a real unique voice, just very, like, yeah. it just... I feel like he was uh, appreciated as much as he could be given the era. He wrote
0: he wrote one song that just catapulted him into everybody's homes. And that song just made you love him. Like if you didn't like Coolio, what's wrong with you?
2: And if you haven't seen Dangerous
0: Minds, go watch that. Yeah, it's a
2: good movie. And and pay some respects to Coolio. So rest in peace.
0: Rest in peace. So, anyways, back to the 90s, okay? Do you have serious sex,
2: Uh I have in the past.
0: Okay, so the best channel to me is the lithium channel.
2: I did listen to lithium. And
0: all the lithium uh, channels that are, that are on the app, as well as the main lithium station. And it's alternative and grunge. It's my favorite station. That's, like, when we get in the car, that's my first go-to is to put it on lithium because I know... What I'm about to get. However, that being said, I'm real quick to turn it off a of lithium when they have Tom Morello on there.
2: I know you love him. And, and his opinions I've on I've said
0: it. I've said it. A, if I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times. Speaking of Tom. I can't, I can't stand Tom Morello. Aren't
2: you excited?
0: About? The tour. Is Rage Mach- gets the Machine going on tour?
2: Are they not? I thought they were already touring.
0: Oh, I don't know. I have no idea.
2: I thought they started touring again last year.
0: I mean, actually, I do faintly remember because
2: then a bunch of people were saying that they have gone against their old ways and that they're actually like very very pro man. Yeah. Oh, they're very they're, pro the man. You know,
0: they're they're very uh, pro the machine. Yeah. 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 That's Tom Morello. But whatever. What are you gonna do? That's neither here nor there. But anyways, so what I want you to do real quick. Okay. Okay. I sent my brother a text. I I I definitely. I thought I sent it to you, but I definitely sent it to my brother. And I said, okay, dude, here's five bands. I need you to rank them in order of how you like them. Okay. Okay? One of them, I know you're probably going to go, who is that? Okay. Never heard of them before in my life. And there's a reason I bring them up, and we'll get into that later. But I told him, okay, dude, here's what I need you to do. I need you to rank these five bands, and I want you to do the same thing. All right. Okay? Soundgarden, mm-hmm. Nirvana, mm-hmm. Pearl Jam, mm-hmm. Alice in Chains, mm-hmm. and Chains, and Mudhoney.
2: Let me guess. The one I'm not supposed to have heard of.
0: Mudhoney. That's it. Okay. All right. So you go ahead and do that now. Okay. I'm going to pull up my brother's text so that we can get his response out there as well.
2: So, given that I don't know Mud Honey, I have to put them at the bottom.
0: Right. No, I mean that's that's it's perfectly just being fine. Fair. So, and I'll say this too. They're at the very bottom for me because if you want me to give you a like who is Mud and Honey? What is their sound? Mm-hmm. Okay? So think about all the other four bands that I've listed for you, and the music. Not the vocals, the music. Okay? Okay. Now picture all that music with someone like Dropkick Murphys singing. So there's a rock music with almost a punk style, hmm. like, like vocals. And I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it at all, but... but so
2: kind of like the Ramones?
0: I mean, kind of, Yeah.
2: So I feel like well I feel like they were... But they
0: do but they fall into that Seattle grunge and okay. I don't know why. So I I but would even, yeah. say
2: based on this list uh-huh. I would say Mud Honey five. Okay. Allison Chains four. Oh wow. Okay. Nirvana three. Okay. Soundgarden two and PJ one.
0: Wow. That's uh yeah. That's a completely different list than I gave and a completely different list than what my brother
2: gave. Now, full full disclosure. Okay. I would say that the foundation of my list uh-huh. is based on my knowledge of their uh, catalog. Okay. And then out of their catalog that I know what I like. Okay. So, for instance, I know a lot of people are thinking... Nirvana seems far down. I think Nirvana had two great, two good songs. Okay. And I don't even think those songs were necessarily great in and of themselves. I think that they were transformative for the generation and they were impactful to that time in music, but not necessarily like groundbreakingly amazing songs that are going to stand the test of time and be amazing forever. Pearl Jam. I feel like has a lot of good songs, yes, they' yes, just absolutely I mean, they're just their their catalog's great, they had you know it seems like their radio hits were great and will stand the test of time and will be good, and then the stuff that wasn't that big are still good songs yes um i I Alice think, in chains i'm I'm kind of ignorant to their okay, discography, but yeah,
0: okay, so I'm not mad at that list. Uh, We all know I'm a huge fan of Chris Cornell, Mm -hmm. okay? So, that being said, my list goes like this, and you're going to go, huh? But mine would go Alice in Chains. One. One. Okay. Pearl Jam 2, Soundgarden 3.
2: Okay, that I'm confused of.
0: Okay, and and I'll get into that. Soundgarden 3, Nirvana and then Mud Honey. Okay. So I'm not super mad about Nirvana being so low on yours. Uh, just because I think... So I don't like the Beatles because they're very basic. Okay. Okay? I feel the same way about Nirvana. They're very, very basic. When you listen to the actual words that yeah. Kurt Cobain is singing, he's very basic. They were also very early. That's true. In the scene.
2: So it was but, still kind of like what but, like how much do we talk about what but, do we what do we touch on but
0: nirvana of? is widely regarded in the rock world of the band who transitioned the 80s into the 90s yeah okay so i mean i get the love but i also don't get it
2: i think it was also the first time that you took um you know what was supposed to be this like alternative was supposed to be kind of a softer you know, more emotion, heartfelt kind of rock, right? Out of like metal, that right? Was so, you know, and and that 80s. was and that
0: was exactly the point that and was be made because during the late '80s, you had the Megadeth, the Metallicas, mm-hmm. you had all those hard rock bands, and now you need to transition into a new era, and Nirvana was the one that was going to do that. They're not as
2: hard, right? They're and there li- was. There was touches of alternative in, like, the late 80s. But, like, right. you know, you kind of saw this trend towards, like, the, you know, the, the emo. Yeah. But, like, not emo in, like, a boo-hoo kind of emo. But, like, we're talking about our feelings. But right. Nirvana took it to a whole other level. Right. Right? The, and, you know, that with the drug usage and, like, you know, just his – Kurt Cobain's public, like, destruction – Right, and it was the first time we'd seen a '90s band that was supposed to be in this alternative era. Like now, their lead singer is a heroin addict, and he's getting in fights with his wife. And it's like, whoa, right. whoa, whoa, right.
0: You know, no, I get, yeah, yeah, for sure. So let me just let me just explain Soundgarden being so down low on this list. Mm-hmm. I love Chris Cornell. I think he is the greatest rock musician. I think he is the greatest musician ever uh i think when you think of rock and roll and rock and roll voices i think chris cornell should be the first one that you think about i think he's got the greatest voice uh ever right right in front of freddie mercury
2: in front of mercury
0: in front i think it goes chris cornell freddie mercury i think freddie mercury so so far up there is just because he's such a showman he puts on a show. Chris Cornell didn't put on the show that that Queen did. Soundgarden didn't do that. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that's for me. That's what puts Freddie Mercury so far up there, along with his range. We spoke about that uh, before.
2: I think his singing style was just so, like, he was so powerful. Right. You know? But so
0: was Chris Cornell. Chris <laughs> Cornell had that power, but then he also had the ability to sit behind a acoustic guitar and take it down so many notches to where it's still so beautiful. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you speak about Freddie Mercury's range, and when you speak about Freddie Mercury's range, you're speaking about how how high he can get, right? Mm-hmm. Chris Cornell's the opposite for me. Mm-hmm. Like When I'm talking about his range, he can rock your face off and you love it, but then he can also unplug and sing you a ballad, and it'd still be beautiful.
2: Kind of like the, uh, what's Corey, uh, what's his name from Slipknot? Yeah, Corey Taylor. Yeah. Right. Same thing. And that's a
0: transition from Slipknot to, what was that other band called? Uh, Stone Sour? Yes. Yeah. So.
2: Which transitions, foreshadowing episode.
0: Yeah, yeah, we're going to do a uh, musical transitions episode soon. So be on the lookout for that. So anyways, I'll say this. If I were to take these five bands and put them all together, and then add Audio Slave, Audio Slave would be number one over all of these bands.
2: So that's would,
0: that's where I fell in love with Chris Cornell is through Audio Slave. Then so you, I started listening to not some.
2: not the purest. You want you you like the second flavor?
0: Uh, in this case, yes. Most of the time, I hate the sequel. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like most of the time the sequel or the the side project I'm not a fan of. But with Chris Cornell I just think I had a I had a conversation with my buddy Greg uh the other day. In fact, that's who I that's the other person I sent it to instead of you. It was my buddy Greg mm-hmm. and and he was talking about man, I wish rage against the machine part of audio slave i wish they got along with chris cornell mm-hmm. and they didn't rush those later albums because the first album was so good and then the other albums seemed so rushed they could have been a lot better even though those albums were still great albums mm-hmm. you know just imagine if they actually like got along and wanted to be in the studio together and and, and whatever how how great those later later albums could be and that's one reason i hate tom morello is during this little show he's got on lithium he has said some things that made me go huh about chris cornell
2: what do you think it is about either second bands or side projects do you think i think that that make it for the most part make him unappealing is it that you have one star and you don't know the rest of these people.
3: Are
0: you? Are you? Do you? Are you the effort. Are you asking from a fan's standpoint or from their standpoint?
2: Uh, from fan standpoint.
0: Okay. From a from a fan standpoint, I think you you have, and I won't use Chris Cornell as the as the example because I like the sequel better. Give me another one. Give me somebody who who switched um, up.
2: Like, we talked about Queen of the Stone Age. Okay. So they had one hit.
0: Okay. So here, here's what I think. Okay. So you're a big Dave Grohl fan, right? Right. Okay. So if I'm a big Dave Grohl fan, and I see Dave, Dave uh, Grohl going to this new band called Queens of the Stone Age, I'm expecting David Grohl to be everything David Grohl was, but... I expect Queens of the Stone Age, everybody else, to rise to his level. Right. Okay? You're not going to get that. You're not going to get... And I've heard Queens of the Stone Age. I wasn't a big fan. I had no idea it was Dave Grohl. But when you're talking about Queens of the Stone Age versus Foo Fighters, you're talking about a here and a here.
2: But my question is, is that... That point there is that based on fans and there are not being as much interest, or is that based on you think? No, the I just, fact that you've got Dave Grohl who's doing this side project and he may not put as much into it as he does Foo, and then other bands in the same situation. Because for the most part, like I, I mean, like I said, I, I don't disagree with you. The sequel usually sucks. I just so think, if we take that one example out, Audio right. Slave, and we say okay, on the whole. Sequels suck. Yeah. Why? Right. Like, just generally, why?
0: I just think, I, you know, for me personally, I just think it's a matter of, I've got so much expectation for it to be great, you know what I mean? Just because of this one person.
2: So then flip it around. Say, take Foo. Okay. Foo is off Nirvana. Dave uh- left so After, you know what so and and arguably had Nirvana never broken up because of Kurt's death, right? Let's say Dave somehow slipped out of Nirvana uh-huh they found an equally good drummer, right and Dave went and started foo by himself. Foo eclipses Nirvana tenfold easily so Abs- is ab- it, now 100%. Are we' saying that it's so then can a theory be that when you have sequels, that its success is based off of the investment of the one person that could make it
0: right. So, let me ask you this: How many side projects are started as a side project with the intentions of being a main project? Because that could be yeah. that could be it too. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. hey, yeah, I'm going to step over here and I'm going to do this like uh, Navarro, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, Dave Navarro did that one album with. Red Hot Chili Peppers, and then went back to Jane's Addiction mm-hmm. because of uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers drug use. Yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna step over here. I'm gonna do this Red Hot Chili Peppers album with a band who is already solidified as one of the greatest bands ever. You know, type mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, yeah. And this is I I don't even remember what album that was. Maybe the the third or fourth album. Maybe. I'm not sure that uh, that Dave Navarro went over there for, and. I'm sure the expectation was for Dave Navarro to stick around, you know, type thing. So I don't know, man. I I just I just feel like maybe on these side projects, it's say, man, I'm going to go over here and do this one album with these guys, and then you know, step back. So,
2: so what about the fans of? Let's say you have a band, uh, you know, you have new fans, right? That actually like, you know, maybe somebody didn't like. Queen, or didn't like uh, Foo Fighters so much, but then they love Queen of the Stone Age,
0: right? So then, and I know people like that, and it's and it's 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 not
2: anybody you need to hang out with. <laughs> That's a fair
0: point, but uh, you know, getting off off topic, I like I like that I like that conversation. That was that was good, but my brother put his as let's see here, Alice in Chains. Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Mud Honey—never heard of them, so I kind of put them on there. Then he sent a caveat, okay? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to read this, and I'm going to say before I read this, I agree 100%, 100, one hundred. Like I'm in, I'm in 100 percent agreeance with with this uh, with this statement. It says the top four: Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, Nirvana—all put out bangers, so they would rank above a lot of bands. Period. Okay, so when you're talking about when you're talking about greatest rock bands ever, you're talking about Queen, you're talking about Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, The Beatles, you're talking about Metallica, you're talking about The Rolling Stones. How far up that list can these four bands go? When you're talking about all time greats, no error restrictions, no uh, subgenres. Because let's I mean, let's be honest, grunge is a sub subgenre to the alternative
2: mm-hmm.
0: music, you know what I mean
2: I have to I have to disagree,
0: do you, yeah. okay?
2: only because
0: only because well in yeah. your and one of your first statements was Nirvana only had like two good like I only like two like two right. songs, so I get that.
2: I would say the reason that I feel they don't eclipse a lot of these other bands is because I don't feel that the grunge genre is a timeless genre.
0: Oh, I disagree. I think I think you can you can take a lot of Soundgarden. No, actually I won't use Soundgarden. I use Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam stand have have stood the test of time.
2: They have a few songs that I feel like could stay relevant. But like Chris Stapleton, whenever he wrote when he's he already getting interviewed after Tennessee Whiskey talked about I don't want to write songs that are good now. I want to write songs that are good forever.
0: I don't think Chris Stapleton will stand the test of time, so that's a weird comment for him to make.
2: I think Tennessee whiskey will stand the test of time, yeah, but that's country, so I don't care. Yeah, but yeah, I, I would have to say, in my opinion, I would, I would disagree that they would eclipse a lot of those bands. Are they in their prime as good? Like, let's say in the '90s when they were like really taking off. If you'd have thrown them in the mix, then I think it would have been a more, right, a more like based. Conversation, but I feel like now that it's 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 a baseless conversation. I
0: still think Queen and Led Zeppelin are the best ever. <coughs> I would also probably put Pink Floyd up there, but once mm, I'm I start not a Pink Floyd fan, once I start getting rounding out my top ten, mm. I probably would be thinking a a lot a lot about the Audio Slave, about the Alice in Chains, because I love Alice in Chains, I, and I and I think I think if you went back and just listened to them, um. You you would like them a lot, especially their unplugged stuff. Like one of my favorite things is when you got a band like Allison Chains, who you know is who you know can rock. Mm-hmm. One of their best albums to me is their unplugged. Okay, so when you have a band like Allison Chains, who you when you first think of Allison Chains, you're gonna think of rock. Mm-hmm. You're gonna think of something a little harder.
2: Just like that MTV stuff they were doing for a bit the- that's that's
0: exactly okay. it yeah. yeah that's that's the album uh but when you unplug it and you soften it up a little bit i think that's even better that's one reason i love chris cornell is when he stops rocking your face off with of soundgarden and slows it down and softens it up a little bit mm-hmm. that's my favorite thing
2: so is is smashing pumpkins and Nine inch nails are they considered part of that? Or is so that... that's
0: that's one thing I wanted to get into when when we spoke about '90s rock because you have these you have these five bands: Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, and Mud Honey. Okay, now what do you do with Bush or mm-hmm. Stone Temple Pilots? Yeah, or Smashing Pumpkins, Foo Fighters, Red Hot Chili. What do you do with them?
2: It's not grunge, is it? Is it considered grunge?
0: That's 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 my question. Like. Hmm. Is, is is
2: grunge more a location based style was, of rock. That was or gonna is be my question.
0: A, is grunge like is, an
2: actual subgenre. Like a like a it, uh, right. Not is, a regional thing.
0: Is, is is grunge specific to the Pacific Northwest?
2: I feel like just given that the way that it's portrayed in media and in history, uh huh. I think when I think of grunge metal, uh huh, I think of ripped up jeans. In a flannel shirt tied around the waist, and a Henley type button down one yeah. up top, and yeah. to me that screams Seattle. Right. That's that's Washington, Oregon. Like I, I lump that when I anytime I hear grunge, I never think of anything but Washington and Oregon. That's it. And that's Northern Cali.
0: And funny you bring that up because I read an article the other day about Stone Temple Pilots, and this whole this whole article was calling them grunge, but they're San Diego based,
2: hmm.
0: which was, yeah I, it it didn't fit. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, I couldn't ever read something or, or heard something and you can't 100% let your brain accept it. Mm-hmm. That's how, that's how I felt. Like I don't, I love Stone Temple Pilots. Mm-hmm. I think Scott Whalen was awesome. Mm-hmm. If he would have stayed away from the drugs, I think it would have been a lot better and we've even had the conversation where we thank these, these musicians for doing drugs because you feel no like... No junk, no soul. Yeah, right. But I feel like, man, if he would have stayed away from the drugs, how good he could have been. But, I mean, it was, it was Stone Temple Pilots specific in this article. Uh, one band that really screams, where do I belong, to me, is The Offspring. Because when you have the early the early offspring when you're talking about uh come out and play mm-hmm. uh oh what was what was that one album that they had? Hang on, I'm gonna pull it up right now. That screams grunge to me.
2: But then but I, I put um the offspring in the same as category. As, no, as Blink One Eighty Two.
0: No, absolutely not. Yes. No. I would not do that. Uh Smash their first album. Uh it had Got to Get Away, Come Out and Play, Self Esteem.
2: You're going to tell me pretty fly for a white guy.
0: No, no, Just, no. They don't know. I'm talking about early. I you know, i specified to to this first okay, album. Okay, so maybe
2: early, yeah. Yeah, but early. I mean in general, like when I think Once of spring, into... I think of I'm 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 listening in 2001. To the radio, and I've got Blink One Eighty Two and The Offspring are both in the top ten.
0: Okay, I mean I would agree with that, but specific to smash that first album, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that like, okay, I guess that I guess your point goes to my point too, like where where do we belong, you know, type thing. Uh, if I can get
2: some service here. I'm going to try to <laughs> try to like see what the you know what the actual.
0: Here's another band that I might would throw in if we're if we're taking away geographical uh, specifics to grunge because this is a Dallas Fort Worth band.
2: Okay. The Toadies. Never heard of them. You never? Yes, you have. Why you looked that up? I'm going to read this. Okay? okay. As defined, grunge, sometimes referred to as the Seattle sound. Okay, is an alternative rock genre and subculture. I think that's a big point, too. Okay, Write that down, because I want to talk about that. I want to touch on that.
0: Just read that's, it one more time?
2: The, just the word subculture. I want to talk about that, because I think that plays a big role in a lot of the things that you and I discuss, and I, I like how they word that. Subculture emerged during the mid-'80s in the American Pacific Northwest state of Washington, Okay, particularly Seattle... And in nearby towns. Grunge fuses elements of punk, heavy metal, but without punk structure and speed. The genre featured distorted electric guitars used in both genres, although some bands performed with more emphasis on one or the other. Like these genres, grunge typically uses electric guitar, bass, drums, and vocals. Grunge also incorporates influences from indie rock, such as Sonic Youth, uh, ba- uh, with bands such as Sonic Youth. Okay. Lyrics are typically angst filled with introspective, often addressing themes such as social alienation, self doubt, abuse, neglect, betrayal, social and emotional isolation, addiction, psychological trauma, and a desire for freedom.
0: Angst filled is the best way to describe it. I agree with that
2: so uh, i i I think when you talk about how like this, where do we fit? yeah, kind of thing, I think that word subculture, yeah, is a big piece of that, yeah, because it's not just about a music, right? Like what does it sound like right Which- it's it's where is where is this music creating a change in lifestyle, in decision making? In your day to day activities, things like that.
0: What you just read completely makes Mud Honey make sense now. Yeah, with what I with what I described to you with the punk sound to it. It it it. Okay, so that makes sense. Okay, so here's this toadies. All right, I know you've heard of this. I've
2: I, now it's, I, yeah,
0: that's toadies.
2: Okay, make up your mind
1: make up your mind yeah so Mm -mm, mm -mm,
0: if these guys weren't such uh, one I'm not gonna call them one hit wonders because I feel like this album they had a few uh, pretty great songs on it if they weren't a one album wonder it would be hard not to throw them in that in that grunge category but I guess, I guess it's all starting to make sense why they always lump grunge and alternative together. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it's not heavy metal, it's not pop rock. It's your, it's your step down from the metal. I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, all of that, they they fall into that. They're not heavy. None of those bands are heavy metal.
2: Do you know how much Nirvana's first album, Bleach, cost to record in
0: 1989?
2: $20,000. $606.17. 17 <laughs> This is a really interesting um, breakdown. We're talking about the musical style, which we kind of touched on. Um Uh, but when you get down into like, I, for instance, clothing and fashion. Yeah. Right. Commonly worn clothes, um, worn by musicians in Washington was a mundane everyday style in which they would wear the same clothes on stage that they wore at home. Right. Slacker style or slouch look contrasted sharply with the wild Mohawks, leather jackets and chains worn by the punks. Yeah. The grunge uh, everyday clothing approach used by grunge musicians because the authenticity was a key principle in the Seattle scene. Right. The grunge look typically consisted of secondhand or thrift store clothing items um, and the typical outdoor clothing, most notably flannel shirts of the region, as well as generally unkempt appearance along with long hair. For grunge singers, long hair was used as a mask to conceal their face so they can, quote, express their innermost thoughts. Um, Lumberjack attire was a common sight. Um, thermal underwear, Doc Martens, yeah. combat boots, band t-shirts, oversized knit sweaters, Birkenstocks, eco-friendly clothing. Grunge became an anti-consumerist movement where the less you spent on clothes, the more coolness you had. So I think that like that whole subculture thing is really important. We're trying to lump these bands where we say, okay, where do these bands go? Right. Do these bands and the audience that you typically associate with that, do they fit into this subculture, or are they on the outside looking in saying, Hey, I like them too, but it's not grunge?
0: I like that point. I feel like I feel like you have a lot of fans who maybe Bush, Don't Double Pilots, Smashing Pumpkins. You're fans of them, but you're not fans of Allison Chains and Soundgarden and Nirvana and Pearl Jam and Mud Honey and all of those uh, Pacific Northwest bands. Mm-hmm. I, I, never thought about that before. I myself, maybe being the anomaly or one of the very few, I'm not going to say an anomaly, but maybe one of the very few who can, who can switch real quick from listening to incubus mm-hmm. back over to Alice in Chains mm-hmm. and not skip a beat. You right, know what I mean? Right. Even, even so far as going at, uh, as going to putting them in the same playlist.
3: Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: I like to make playlists that make sense. Okay. I'm mm-hmm. not going to throw, uh, counting crows in with Metallica and, uh, Dave Matthews and then Led Zeppelin. I'm not going to, you know, my, my, my list are very, uh, methodical, I guess, and well thought out, um, where, you know, maybe I'm going to do a hip hop playlist. Okay, cool. I'm going to make this hip hop playlist. I'm going to. It's going to be strictly from the '90s, mm-hmm. or I'm going to make this other playlist, and it's going to be strictly uh, New York hip hop type thing. I'm not. I'm not just lumping everybody into the same into the same group. But when you're talking about grunge and alternative, I think. I think. You have a green light to be able to do so because there are, I mean, there are some similarities. I, I, I don't know,
2: man. Listen to this. I think you'll like this. Um, so, this was talking about the legacy of grunge because, you know, we think about oh, this hang hang subculture. On, hang
0: on. Hang on. Something just happened with your, with your mic. Hello? Nope.
2: Check. Okay, that's better. Go for so, it. So, we talk about this subculture, right? And we, you know, we think about, okay, if it's a subculture, more than just a music style, uh-huh. then the then the music would die with the subculture. Right. So, in 2011, music critic music critic Dave Whittaker wrote: Every generation since the beginning of recorded music has introduced a game changing genre. Okay. From swing music in the 30s, rock and roll in the 50s, punk rock in the 70s, and then grunge in the 90s. However, he states grunge was the last American musical revolution. And as no post-grunge generation has introduced a new genre, genre which radically changed the music. Scene. I
0: disagree with that. I think there was one more subgenre after grunge, and that would be that new metal. When you're talking about Corn and Limp biscuit and uh, Godsmack and those bands, mm-hmm. I think after those bands is when when it died off.
2: Okay, I can see that. Trying to think, I was trying to find something, like if there were, you know, you got stylistic origins, Uh and then you've got your parent genres, but I'm curious what, let me see, post-grunge. Post-grunge, post-grunge. Is a derivative of grunge that has less abrasive or intensive tone than traditional grunge. Originally, term, the originally the term was used most pejoratively to the label to label mid nineties rock bands such as Bush, Candlebox, Collective Soul, that emulated the original sound of grunge. In the late nineties, post grunge morphed into a more clearly defined style that married the sounds of aesthetic grunge and aesthetic of grunge with a less intense and abrasive tone. Rising to prominence that lasted into the 2000s. Bands that fall into the post-grunge era are uh-huh. Foo Fighters, Live, Bush, Puddle of Mud, Breaking Benjamin, Three Days Grace, Default, Creed, Collective Soul, Shine Down, Candlebox, Seether, Matchbox 20, and Everyone's Favorite. The one and only favorite band for all people that love music. Nickelback. Nickelback.
0: Yep. Uh, that's a weird list. Some of them didn't belong together. Read that list one more time. Sure. Post Grunge.
2: Sure. I'm going I'm to point out the ones that don't make sense. Post Grunge. Foo Fighters. Okay. Live. Okay. Bush. Okay. Puddle of Mud. Uh-huh. Breaking Benjamin. Okay. Three Days Grace. Okay. Default. Uh-huh. Creed. Uh-huh. Collective Soul. That one doesn't fit. Shine Down. Okay. Candlebox. Okay. Seether. Uh-huh. Matchbox 20. That one doesn't fit. And Nickelback.
0: <laughs> okay. So two of them don't fit. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Collective Soul and and uh Matchbox Matchbox 20. What the what? I would throw them in with the Dave Matthews and Counting Crows and mm-hmm. that that part of the alternative world.
2: This is in, this 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 post grunge is very interesting. It's I I had no idea that it was actually a a labeled post grunge era, but uh-huh. in listening to the descriptions of these, you know, Grunge expressed emotion through loose metaphors and third person narratives, while post grunge was known for being, excuse me, direct and blunt. Right. Describing lyrics that are common in post grunge, Sasha Geffen of Consequence of Sound wrote that post grunge plunged directly into the eye. Okay. <laughs> like okay. into the eye. Yeah, yeah. The me. Like the me. Right. Okay. Um, grunges front men pose with their addictions post grunge songwriters sought redemption for them okay. Deppin states that post grunge songs fit the mold of songs made for teenage boys and girls who are longing for a distant someone is that
0: an article that you have pulled up
2: this is the foremost encyclopedia on the internet that's Wikipedia that's Wikipedia <laughs> but you know Wikipedia it's listen they fact check this stuff yeah 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 so I I, I, regardless of you know if it's opinion or not, it's a it's a really well written and no, that, thorough
0: opinion. It, it's starting to it's starting to make all of this like kind of come together, you know. Because I don't know everything there is to know about nineties grunge music, but I mean, very little. But you know, you start hearing stuff like that, and it all kind of like makes it come together. Now, here is here okay. Here is a question for you. Okay, let's say. And I choose Alice in Chains over Nirvana every time, twice on Sundays. Uh, you know, hey, Adam, you have to listen to this Allison Chains album or you have to listen to this Nirvana album
2: mm-hmm.
0: the rest of your life. You can't listen to anything else. I'm going to pick Alice in Chains. Sure. Okay. And I'll tell you why. Okay. Once Lane Staley died, Alice in Chains was able to keep going where they left off because they also had Jay Cantrell.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Have you ever heard of Jay Cantrell? Mm-hmm. Okay, so Jay Cantrell, you, Lane Staley's voice is uh very um what's the word I'm looking for? You can you can pick it out. Mm-hmm. You know, you recognizable. It, right. It's record. there you go, recognizable. Jay Cantrell, the lesser known of the vocals for Alice in Chains, can do the same thing. Mm. And he did do the same thing. When you listen to the Unplugged album, you're going to hear a lot of Jerry Cantrell, but you're not going to know. You know, unless you're really listening, you're not.
2: She's a chameleon.
0: Right. So here's my question. Okay. Now go to Nirvana and Kurt Cobain dies. The band dies. But what if. Instead of going to create Foo Fighters mm-hmm. David Girl steps in and keeps Nirvana going. Are they still Nirvana, or does he take it the the Foo Fighter route?
2: I think that what made Foo Fighters' success so much greater is that Dave went and found artists and musicians that were in the same arena okay. of talent and vision. Okay, and that's I've,
0: that's the word I was looking for, I, vision. I don't
2: think Nirvana's musicians have had that. I feel like Dave was very, Dave was also very young, right? So Dave admittedly stole a lot of his drumming style from 70s funk. Right. Very, and he's very honest about it. So I think like at that time he's still learning a lot about, you know, his style and defining his style, but you know, he's molding his style to fit into this grunge type sound, which I feel like didn't allow him to really go outside of like of you know, this very like tight genre box right. you know of styling play. So I think that if Dave would have stepped into a lead sing guitar role I don't think that he would have had the same angst that Kurt did. And I right. think the essence of what made Nirvana what they were would have not been the same. And so I think that Dave leaving and starting Foo Fighters is the only way that he continues to, to grow and to be as successful as he is because I don't think Nirvana without Kurt is Nirvana.
0: Foo Fighters is one of those bands that Will stand the test of time. You're going to be talking about the Foo Fighters in 20 years. Sure. Um. Yeah. I. I. Okay. So here's my next question. Kurt Cobain is still alive. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Okay. And we're talking about now the late. When did Foo Fighters start? Late 90s. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was late 90s. I think mid, I was in high school. Mid 90s. Okay. So Kurt. Like Co-
2: 97, I think. 97.
0: Kurt, so Kurt Cobain is still alive in the mid 90s, late 90s. Uh-huh. Does david girl write it out and continue with nirvana or does he end up leaving because he's got this vision of foo fighters
2: did he have a vision of foo fighters without nirvana i don't know i, I don't think he did yeah i mean i really don't think he did i think that i think that, honestly i think what would have happened is nirvana's sound uh-huh. was so specific as it talks about to the subculture right that despite their success grunge has died
0: Grunge, uh, no, grind mean, is definitely dead. That, that
2: culture is no longer a culture. It's it's a it's a it's a novelty now, and I don't think Nirvana. And I, I don't mean that negatively, right? I think that Nirvana would have not Nirvana in itself witnessed to the test of time. Right, I think they would have faded into oblivion. They because think about this: Kurt, who wrote about heartbreak and addiction and sadness, like. All of a sudden, you get into the late '90s where everything was really poppy and upbeat. Nobody's gonna buy a poppy, upbeat Nirvana album. Right. <laughs> Do you know what I, I mean? Like, you're say. not gonna you're not gonna listen to early '90s and be like, "Yeah, I really feel this," and then listen to a late '90s Nirvana and go, "Yeah, I feel this too."
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even think that album would ever have been made. I think I, I don't th- either. I think the way Kurt Cobain was wired, he would have just quit. Yeah. Once that once that took over the the music industry. Uh but you're right, like like Grunge is dead. That's that's obvious, and I think it's obvious because you can now listen to these Pearl Jam albums that are being released now Mm -hmm. and they're not they're not nineties Pearl Jam albums. Mm -hmm. You're not getting uh Jeremy and you're not getting dissident and you're not getting daughter. You're not that's not what you're getting Mm -hmm. anymore. Uh Grunge is also dead because Kurt Cobain is dead. Elaine Staley is dead. And uh, Chris Cornell is dead. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean.
2: I think, you know, there's there's something to be said about subgenres versus mainstream genres. Right. Okay. Take subgenre with the deaths like we just mentioned. Right. There's a couple of people big people, but a couple people uh-huh. that killed a couple bands that killed the entire, essentially killed the genre. Okay. Then you go to something like rock. How many major rock artists died through right. the course of Southern and classic rocks? Right. You know, era. Right. And still went on to do great.
0: Right. You Leonard I mean? Skinner and the Skinner, you know, Skinner the- is a
2: prime example. Right. After Van Zant died, that band, you know what, we're gonna keep rocking. Yeah, and they're still good. Yeah, you know, I saw them a, a few years back. They still rock. They're still great. So, I think that when you have this, you know, when you when you talk about a subculture like that, people are invested more in the subculture than they are the music. Right. So, well, think about it. So when the music, you know, with the music being a big part of it, if the music dies and the subculture dies. Right. But, like, rock's not going to die because a person died. Right. Yeah, it's fair. Or maybe I I worded that wrong. Maybe they're invested more in the bands than the culture. So that when the bands die, the culture dies. But with rock, people are going to love rock regardless.
0: Right. Yeah. Man. The good thing about these bands that, we're up in the Pacific Northwest in Seattle. One thing I love about music is when uh, two artists come together who may be on two different projects, and they can harmonize like no other.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay? Uh, one example of that uh, being Temple of the Dog.
2: Yeah, this is new to me.
0: Temple of the Dog is new to you? That's new to me. You've never heard them?
2: Mm-mm. Not that I know of.
0: Uh you probably have, and I can pull something up that, that you probably have That's heard. one of
2: those ones where, like, when we talk about my knowledge of grunge is like the kiddie pool. Right. You know? But or I not. guarantee
0: you've heard this song. Uh, but anyways, but when they... No, not this one. Uh, let's go here. And here. This is Temple of the Dog. This is Hunger Strike. If you haven't heard the song yet, you will go home and listen to it or listen to it on the way home and you'll put it on playlist. I don't mind, this is Pearl Jam ready, and Soundgarden together.
3: And
0: That's Chris Cornell singing right now.
3: But I can't beat on the powerless when my cup's already
0: It's awesome. And I'm going to play another one for
2: you here in a minute. Oh, I have heard this song. Yeah, you have. That that lyric right there. Yes. It's a great song. Were they harmonized? I had no idea that it was. Yeah. That's who it was. This is
0: Pearl Jam and Sam Garner. Now I'm gonna play another one for you, and you—I guarantee you've never heard of this before. All uh, right, turn. Yep. So this is a band called Alice Mudgarden. Okay. So just—it's three bands combined. The mud. No. It's, uh, it's not Mud Vein. No, it's not Mud vein. It's Mud Honey, honey. Uh, Sound Garden, and Alice and Chains.
2: Alice and Mud Chains.
0: It's called Alice. Alice Mudgarden. Alice Mudgarden.
2: So
3: That's definitely Lance Staley. It's
0: Mud Honey playing some music. Lane Staley, very recognizable
2: voice. He was Hurl before Scott dad was Hurl. Hurl, Hurl, Hurl. You
0: know, one thing I really thought was funny was some of those bands that you were reading about uh, post, post-grunge, post you know, they made fun of back in the 90s when I was in high school, talking about all of them obviously were graduates of the Eddie Vedder School of Singing. That's, that was kind of the, the joke that makes sense when they were when they were real big you know um
2: Bush uh there's a lot of people I remember watching this a show maybe it was like uh, years ago when I was younger I remember they were talking about bands that killed themselves uh huh and a lot of people say Glycerine is what killed Bush because they were such a rock. Glycerine a, is a
0: great song.
2: It's a song. great song. Yeah. But what this opinion of this show was was they went from being this like rock and then they played this ballad. And it was like uh,
0: I disagree with that. I love Bush, I love Glycerine.
2: I I think Glycerine is amazing. Yeah.
0: Listen to the harmonizing here toward the end of this song real quick.
2: That has a very '70s Zeppelin sound. It does, very Zeppelin. So I just got um,
0: So when you talk about Chris Cornell, and I tell you, he's got the range. Yeah, he's got like everything about him is is perfect when you're talking about rock music. And that's that's what you, that's what I need people to go listen to. Is that? So,
2: I have a question for you then. Okay. If we if we're thinking, you know. On kind of a music theory, genre theory type level,
0: uh-huh.
2: you and I just agreed that that last bit of that song was very Zeppelin esque, uh-huh. right? And we talk about culture, subculture, genre, subgenre dying. Think about that. You know that band Greta Van Fleet? So. Listen, where, you know, like, let me say
0: this. i was, <laughs> like, think about this,
2: though. Now, before, you, before where would they fall? Because it's, it's very folksy, right? But they, that guy, that kid sounds just
0: like. So he definitely belonged in the 70s. Yes. So at work, the music, I hate it. But that Greta Van Fleet song will come on, and I'm like, yeah, now I'm into it. But then I watch the video. Have you ever seen the video? It's very weird. Oh, everything they do is weird. Uh, he, but he, I don't, so I tried to look them up one time, and I, I guess I was distracted because I didn't get very far. Are they, is that a new yeah. era band? Yeah. Okay, so he definitely belonged in they the They started 30s. five years ago. Okay. Yeah, I like that. It's I, amazing. I like, like them a lot, yeah. actually. I'm uh, just amazed
2: at how, like, it's, there's one thing to sound, like, oh, you kind of sound like... The, like it it almost sounds like they're a Led Zeppelin cover band.
0: The crazy the crazy thing is, but it's is,
2: all original.
0: The crazy thing is, is they they look the part of the seventies, mm-hmm. especially in that video mm-hmm. uh, of the man. What's the one song that I'm thinking of? I've got it on a playlist somewhere.
2: That when and you hold my hand and stay a while. That no, song?
0: No, not that one. I'll know it when I see it. Excuse me. Uh, maybe it's this one. Yeah, for them, I didn't even realize that they were a new band. A new, uh, yeah, a new band.
2: So there's, you know, a, a you know, and not to get too far off of what we're, you know, talking about, but um, very similar to that, there's a band called the Midnight.
0: Okay, I've
2: heard them. That is, it's a, it's a current band, but they are, you could not. Convince me if you didn't if I did not know already that they were a current band you could not have convinced me they weren't straight eighties. Yeah, I mean they is every song they do is that electronic eighties poppy, and it's great. It is so good.
0: So the Apple Music describes Greta Van Fleet as formed in 2012 and raised on the sounds of Taj Mahal, Big Big Bill Brunzi and Led Zeppelin. As well as semi contemporaries like the Black Keys and Fleet foxes, that sums it up perfectly that's great yeah they yeah that's a that's, that's a good band uh that I need to I think I need to do a deeper dive uh into but so when you're when you're talking about nineties alternative and grunge, mm-hmm. what are you listening to what what are you putting on? I'll say rank rank your top five.
2: This the, alternative
0: in, and grunge from the nineties. Yes,
2: I mean it might be disappointing just because again my knowledge of grunge is so. So
0: I mean, so, if it's if you leave out grunge and you're and you're giving me you know stuff like Red Hot Chili Peppers and and you know the alternative scene, go for it.
2: So do you want them in order or just five top? Give me, yeah, give me
0: your top five. Uh, it doesn't matter what order.
2: Okay, so if if well, let's just say Foo is number one. Okay. And then the other four are No Particular Order. Okay. Um, let's see. Out of that let's, let me, let me. I'm going to look at your list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, here's some of them. So, this is definitely not all of them. Yeah. But that is some so of them. So I would say this is a really good list. Definitely, Foo is going to be number one. Um, Godsmack would be in that top five. Okay. Um... Uh, Pearl Jam would be in the top. Counting Crows.
0: That used to be my favorite band.
2: Definitely would be. And then the last one I would say... mm, Out of These? Probably... Corn.
0: Corn. I did not expect that. Let me see that list. Yeah. Corn. I think I'm gonna do one real quick too. Would it would de- probably be
2: a toss up between corn and uh rage against the machine.
0: I got a buddy out in California who is the biggest Rage Against the Machine fan I've ever met in my life. Like Rage Against the Machine tattoos. Yeah. It's wild. Mm. I would never I would never get a band's tattoo. Mm mm. Actually, Unless I was in the band. Actually, I'm lying. I got one covered up.
2: <laughs> was it a Zeppelin? No,
0: nah, it was a... Uh, have you ever seen the Dave Matthews Fire Dancer? No. No? <laughs>
2: you got a DMB tattoo?
0: I used to. I got it covered up with a Grinch.
2: <laughs> no, you still have it. It's under there. <laughs> that's, like, that's like flipping pages on a book and saying that the other page isn't there. It's this. I know you've seen this. Oh, yeah. But yeah. the uh, the gym owners at the CrossFit gym I go to have that s- as a sticker on uh, the back of their cars. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Well, I had no idea it was a Dave Matthews band.
0: Yeah, thing. that was uh, that was a, the Dave Matthews fire dancer for one song specifically, I want to say Trippin' Billy's maybe.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But we'll have to fact check that. So if I'm making a list of five 90s that I'm definitely listening to, I'm going Alice in Chains, number one. Uh... Red Hot Chili Peppers too. Uh, I would definitely go Offspring somewhere in there. Nine Inch Nails, and I'm going to surprise you with my fifth one. Cake. You remember Cake mm-hmm. going the distance? Mm-hmm. That song was corny, but it was still good, and it was really uh, a catchy.
2: That's the only song they had.
0: No, or... it's not. It's not. And once, yeah, once we, okay, once we turn whiskey. the mics off, I'll pull up some, some good cake songs. But they, they were good. You need to do a deep dive into cake. Everybody should do a deep dive into cake. I love cake. I know you Especially do. Especially carrot. Fat boy. What's your favorite kind of cake? Cheese. That's disgusting. Hot take. Cheesecake. Cheesecake is disgusting. you <laughs> That's why I said hot take, because <laughs> everybody loves cheesecake. Ugh. Except Adam.
2: Now I know why your music it's, selection is so terrible.
0: My music selection, first of all, is amazing. Whitney we,
2: Houston is so... Oh my God, you're an idiot. Stop <laughs> it. Why does it always... Every get, episode. Why does it always... I'm always going to gonna slip Houston. it in. Always.
0: Um, my favorite cake would probably be... Okay, so when I was in high school, I worked at Baskin Robbins. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, on the weekends when the store owner was not there, uh-huh. I would get into the freezer,
2: ice and, cream cakes.
0: I would well, kind of. So she built the cakes. They didn't come from, they didn't come off the truck. Yeah. made. Okay, so she had to make them. So she had a pre-made cake that she would scoop ice cream onto, flatten it, you know, cover it, do, and then do the decorations but that white cake that came pre-made yeah, right nice. out of the right out of the freezer frozen exactly what you're talking about. is my favorite
2: that's pretty it's like wedding cake yeah it's, it's just so a, good. the chocolate
0: cake eh, not so much but man that white cake right out of the freezer but i also love a strawberry cake no frosting out of the freezer,
2: so I get that. So if if, if we're gonna go like if if I had to take cheesecake out as it's not a cake, cake, uh-huh. then my actual favorite cake is a fifteen layer cake, which is a very southern. So we cake went to that's we very hard to make.
0: We went to Wu Tang Clan. Great, uh, we had a great time a couple of week uh, a couple of weekends ago. Wu Tang Nas and. The bus of bus.
2: I think you just cut out. Did I cut out? Yeah. Or did you?
0: Am I back? Now you're back. Oh, okay, cool. I need to figure out these. Uh, I think some of these wirings are maybe a little short. Jank. In somewhere. So I need to invest in some new.
2: There is, they're lights. as good as Bust Rhymes was. Oh, man. There you go again.
0: Oh, wait. I cut you but, out on that on purpose. You're still. Am you're, I out?
2: I think we're both out.
0: Dang, dude how's that
2: i don't hear you i don't hear you either how's that how's that how's that how's that how's that how's that kind of there oh there, there we, we go. go
0: there we go leave it alone so we had a good time at the wu-tang clan concert on From the way. one
2: third of it it was stop not good.
0: it one third of it stop it buster rhymes was good he's just old you can't expect a speed rapper at 50 years old to be speed rapping. i can
2: rap faster than Buster did
0: you're not 50 years old you're in the prime of your life. He's way past his prime. I'm
2: Caucasian.
0: The only thing that I disliked about the Buster Rhymes set was he was only playing his part of a song. If you're going to do that, don't even play that song. You yeah. know what I mean? I need the Chris Brown and the Lil Wayne in that song.
2: Okay? And don't tell the audience to sing your music. I came to see you sing it. <laughs> That's fair, too. I'll, I'll give you that one. The fact that he was... Verbally berating the audience for not for sing no, my f- song. Yeah, yeah. No, you better, you I paid money singing. for you to sing it. All right, I can sing it for free in my house. I do. Yeah, I'm gonna sing
0: it on the way home, and I'm
2: gonna sing it on tempo. <laughs>
0: Stop it, Buster Rhymes was not awful. He but, also was not good, but he also did not hold a candle to Nas because Nas was Nas was the multiple
2: best. sets. Like Nas, long sets.
0: Nas killed it. Wu Tang was great.
2: And don't, no, don't give me this. Oh, Buster Rhymes is 50. Nas, what was he celebrating, remember?
0: Oh, he was celebrating his 50th, 50th birthday. G- right. But he's not a speed rapper, though.
2: Yeah, but he also did 30 songs. Okay. Buster did three.
0: Buster did bu-
2: <laughs> three halves. Buster did six songs, but he only did half songs. of each of them.
0: <laughs> Buster did three quarters of a song. And one of them
2: he did twice. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Come on. <laughs> he did it so good. The he walked out, he walked out sweating. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's because we were in Austin, Texas, and this dude has a full jacket on. Like, what are you doing? No,
2: he got out of breath walking from the back. <laughs> but,
0: but, I, th- I
2: swear he, what, was, he would
0: have been sweating gravy. What confused me the most was Nas came out in his first set in a full three-piece suit. White. White suit. Killing it. And said... I love y'all's weather down here, and we—I've—I I, felt the groan of the entire of the entire amphitheater go, huh? Why? We got to
2: talk about a guy that lives in New York City who gets snowed on. Listen, a third of the year,
0: Nas killed it. Nas was amazing. Wu Tang Clan was great. And they went to amazing when they finally brought out Method Man.
2: The look on your face.
0: Listen, I was. You, you
2: didn't even realize it at first. I didn't. I, I grabbed your arm and you looked at me in the face. And I remember the look of confusion of like, why am I, like, why are you freaking out looking at you know, your That was your face to me. And I looked at you I just remember I just mouthed Method Man. And your eyes bugged out of your head. And you turned, look on screen. And here comes Meth just tiptoeing out on stage. I've never seen you get more excited in my life.
0: Listen, I went into this concert with the expectation of <clears throat> one of my favorite Wu-Tang members not being there. Mm-hmm. I've got, I'm a big fan of Ghostface. I'm a big fan of Raekwon the Chef. Mm-hmm. And Method Man is my favorite rapper ever. Okay, And so, heading into this concert, it was my expectation that one of my favorites is not going to be there, mm-hmm. but the other two making a appearance would suffice the night, mm-hmm. you know? So when Wu-Tang came out first, it was RZA came out, Jiza came out, Inspector Deck came out. Uh, I want to say You god came out. Uh, who was the other one? That wasn't Ghostface, Raekwon.
2: Or... Oh, it was um, YDB.
0: It was, uh, yeah, Old Dirty Bastard's Son came out. No, there was another one. Um, I can't think of him right now. But, uh, anyways. Was not Ghostface? No, it was right before Ghostface. Uh, I'm going to pull up the members here real quick. Let's see,
2: it was Ridge, then Jizza. Inspected the
0: Inspect Deck.
2: Inspected Deck. Raekwon came out in the second set, I believe. No,
0: Raekwon came out in the first. Did he? At the end? No.
2: Who was the last? Oh, it was Capadonna. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Capadonna came out, and then uh, Raekwon, and then Ghostface.
2: YDB came out the first set, too, because I remember saying, right, look no.
0: at YDB came out. I, I looked at him wondering who he was. He looked
2: like Buckwheat.
0: He looked like, well, that's what ODB did. Yeah. He was... He I, was, was saying,
2: I remember looking, I was like, huh.
0: It was Cappadonna. Okay. And you know, and this was the first set, and they're playing all the good stuff, but they're they're obviously playing the stuff that, that Method Man was not featured on. Mm-hmm. And so after they left and Nas came out to do his first set and kill it. Man, Nas was so good. Um I had I had it in my mind that okay, I'm still happy that I'm here because I got to see Raquan. And Ghostface, because they're great. Mm-hmm. They're great, kill, uh, mm-hmm. great rappers. Uh, and then that second, that se- I don't remember what I was doing. I think I was sending Riley a video or mm-hmm. something. When you grabbed my arm and mouthed Method Man at me, and that's when it hit me. I knew, I knew his voice was in my ear, but it didn't. Click. It didn't click until you said something. And that's when I got excited. I was like, "Oh, dude, my nights, my nights made. I could like after this set, I can go home." Mm-hmm. But I'm glad I didn't because Nas came out and did a second set and killed it equally as hard as his first set. He
2: went back old school, on the but this,
0: set. but this time he was in gym shorts. He had not, not out in a three piece suit, loving the humid Austin, Texas weather. <laughs>
2: He probably looked how bad Buster looked sweating him like. Oh man, no, I'm not gonna look like that.
0: Buster was sweating Crisco out of his veins. Mm. Old fat boy.
2: He, you know, what's funny is he got fat, and then like, then there was this whole thing about him like getting fit. You know, about the same time like. Um,
0: Listen, his arms are still as big as our waist.
2: Oh, he's a giant man. He's a, what like six, five, yeah, six, six He's a pretty like
0: big dude. But uh, anyways, we're getting off topic. We, the Wu-Tang concert on the way home. You were telling us about this. 15 layer cake so i need you to describe that to the people
2: okay so if you think old school making a cake cake pans right right usually you got three of them put your cake mix in bake those three bring them out let them cool a bit you know you get your first layer frosting second layer frosting third layer frosting and then you coat the outside very right. basic right yep. okay so for a 15 layer cake you're pouring only about a quarter of an inch worth of batter in the cake pans. Yeah. Very little. Like a pancake almost, right? Then you bake those, and they cook pretty quickly, and you pull those out, and you bake that five times. So you get 15 of these little like quarter-inch thick cake layers. Right. right? In between each layer, you're putting frosting. Okay. What makes it special is that frosting is cooked in a pot on the stove to where it is almost liquefied. Right. Which crystallizes the icing when it cools. So as you layer it, you're putting a thin layer of icing between each layer. So you're getting equal frosting to cake. And the frosting, once it cools, it crystallizes almost to like a crunch.
0: Do you know what I think about when you describe that frosting? Hmm. I love Shipley's donuts. Yes. Glazed donuts. That's that's, ex- that's exactly what I'm what thinking it, about.
2: And so the the traditional fifteen layer cake is a yellow cake uh-huh. with chocolate frosting. Right. And this is a like beautiful image of one. It's all it's called a southern layer cake. Okay. And is usually fifteen layers.
0: And your mom has mastered this. My mom cake.
2: has been making me this cake since I was a kid. And I just want to show you a good picture of one because if you see it, it's it it you understand why they're kind of hard to make. Yeah, because of it
0: looks like a pancake
2: cake. It's yeah amazing, and you get this just equal amount of cake and frosting, and then with that frosting mm-hmm. having that little crunch to it, like a like a donut glaze. I think is a great way to describe it. It's undued. It's undue. my
0: mom has mastered the Texas sheet cake. Katie makes a Texas sheet cake that's really good. Listen, uh, if I could package my mom's and sell it, I'd be a millionaire because she has she has mastered it. It is delicious. Well, Once not you get a recipe? I know
2: you can't cook. Let's get
0: Molly to make it. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Molly tried it one time and it, it. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't gross, mm. but it wasn't a sheet cake. It came out fudgy, mm. you know, more like fudge. So, I mean, it was still good. I just don't. I am not a fan of fudge. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like uh, when I, when I think it's cake, I want that that airy cake, mm-hmm. you know. But like I said, it wasn't it wasn't disgusting. It was not a, it was not a one hundred percent. The fail. flavor was there, but no, the, tec- the f- texture was the flavor. It was not. It was a very very delicious fail. See,
2: Katie tried to make. So Katie called my mom, got this recipe, uh-huh. but she did not. Uh, we were missing an ingredient or two for uh-huh. the frosting, and she didn't realize how important yeah, the frosting yeah. ingredients were. When you, especially because you have to liquefy it. Yep. So when she went to put it on the cake, it didn't. It had the flavor it needed. It just didn't have the right consistency. Right. So it just got soaked into the cake layers. So when I get home, she's like heartbroken because there's this pile of soggy, yellow, layered cake sitting on the counter.
3: Did you eat she, it up
2: though, dude? So here's here's what happened. Because of that, it was liquid, so it wasn't a frost. It was a chocolate sauce almost. What I'm thinking when about right now is a like
0: tres leches, like dude, soggy it's cake. Dude, exactly what it was. Oh
2: man! And I'm like, Katie, and she's like, Yeah, it tastes terrible. I'm like, Listen to me. Have you tried it yet? And she's like, No. And I'm like, And I shove like I got the moistest, like, like, like 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 almost liquefied piece of that cake. And I was like, Put this in your mouth and try it. And she was like, Oh. Wow, okay. Yeah. Like, it, it, it just do not look
0: good. She's very emotional in the kitchen, huh? She's a good cook, man.
2: <laughs> I like that she cares that much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, everything she makes, she thinks is terrible, and I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, it's
0: terrible. Put a, to- put a talk keep on. Cooking. Yeah, <laughs> please, please. Yeah.
2: I, I have never eaten one of her cheesecakes on a plate.
0: Oh, uh, just go straight
2: out of it. Every line. bite is out of the pan, because it goes that fast.
0: Anyways, dude, that was a good left turn out of music to wu-tang to grunge to wu-tang to cheesecake yeah, yeah, yeah we're about at a minute 14 right now so we i think we did pretty good i didn't even think we'd get to an hour on this topic based on limited knowledge alone
2: well i'm i appreciate you shake sharing so much no the, the
0: yeah it was i feel like it was a it was a good episode and we filled the time pretty well but uh Anyways, y'all go like, subscribe, and share. Take a deep dive into these, uh, these bands if you have. an Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, Nirvana, Pearl Jam. I think you'll like them.
2: And if you don't, everybody's got an opinion. It's just ours is right.
0: Yeah. And if you don't like them, just come back next episode, and we'll give you some more stuff to listen to. And but, also
2: uh, not like. Yeah.
0: I w- listen, here's what I want to do. I want to do your episode of transitions, and then I want to do an episode of, of crappy music, music we hate. Mm. I think that would be fun I never thought about that before but I think that would be fun yeah be on
2: the lookout we're gonna we're gonna title this episode did you know
0: yeah did you know and then we're gonna title the crappy music the Whitney Houston episode but until then we'll catch y'all next time peace